welcome to episode 60 of the Ask a Chief show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we're going to answer some questions regarding one of our recent Instagram posts, discuss hip positioning during squats, and talk about what type of footwear we prefer. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right. What's up, Achievers? If you hear some commotion going on in the background, it's because our downstairs neighbors, um, I think they're these college kids Ugh. making a ruckus. They're so loud down there. Uh, it, it was like one week where I think they had like two or three parties in a row and they were way past quiet hours and Lauren got real feisty. I got a little, I, I put in a noise complaint. She put in a noise complaint. <laughs> and I was like, Lauren, are you 60 years old? Like well, that would have been us like five years ago. <laughs> I feel like I have a pass. Like being pregnant just gives you a pass to do ridiculous things. And I was like, I totally am using this to be ridiculous right now. But, <laughs> but we, I, I mean, we were picturing like, hey, if we had the baby and the baby was just sound asleep and, you know, these kids were thumping their base and whatnot and like <laughs> you sound like a six-year-old man now <laughs> thumping their thumping base, their base. <laughs> but uh yeah and that, that woke the baby up I, I would actually be probably pretty upset about the situation so right you know i'm glad i'm glad you were proactive in the situation and uh, you, actually it turns out they're leaving in july right? yeah the so we live in like a big apartment complex and the people <laughs> were like um we'll talk to them but also they're leaving in july so hopefully that helps you we were like actually that's great thanks that's <laughs> like, so, a good job problem you solved made them move I immediately i don't think it was because of me but if it was whatever that's fine <laughs> Um, all right, so we have some good questions today. We're actually going to start off with um, some questions that we got on one of our most recent Instagram posts, um, and we got two similar questions. Um, so one was from Inspired by Macros, and she said, uh, well, I guess I should preface this with what the actual post was. Yep. So the post was um, uh, six exercises to like target your glutes with these six exercises, and we gave six different exercise variations that help to target glutes. Yeah. Um, and the questions were, one was from Inspired by Macros. She said, do you recommend this as a, a circuit, like all six exercises as a circuit? And Lila G in DC also said, would you suggest doing all of these in one glute, glute-centric workout? Yeah, these are all uh, great questions. Um, if Instagram didn't have like a limit on their captions, we'd be able to provide even a little more context. But since we only have like a limited amount of characters, we decided to put the emphasis on how to actually perform the exercise rather than actually how to put it together in terms of a workout, right? Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't actually necessarily recommend using this as a way to put a workout together. Yes. Um, it would be a lot of redundancy doing that. Uh-huh. So the six exercises were Romanian deadlift, goblet squat with a band, single leg deadlift, high box step up, valve slide reverse lunge, and shoulders elevated single leg hip lift. Yeah, so if you did that all in one workout, I mean, you'd be, you'd be just crippled. Your legs would be toast. <laughs> by the end of it. So what we'd recommend is probably picking one or two of those exercises and doing them one to two to even three times a week, depending on what your goal is. Like if your sole purpose is to, you know, develop bigger, stronger glutes, then uh, maybe doing it three times a week is uh, totally feasible. But doing it um, with more frequency, with fewer exercises, rather than just like kind of like randomly picking one here and there, we'd like to develop consistency. So pick one or two exercises, do them one to three times, three to one to three <laughs> times a week, and then rotate them every four to six weeks or so. You don't want to switch them up every single time because we want to develop that consistency, that practice, and just helps your body to really learn the movement pattern as much as possible. 
Yeah. So um, we we recommend putting none of these are like necessarily a main lift. Um, like yeah. We didn't even include just heavy squats and deadlifts, which are also very much going to target your glutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of went like outside of that, outside of those main lifts, uh, here are some other accessory lifts that could also target your glutes. Um, so with that being said, we would still recommend like maybe on a squat day where squat is your main lift, you throw in some single leg deadlifts and some, um, and some goblet squats with a band or, or some like Romanian deadlifts or something like that. Like yeah. as, as some of your accessory lifts in the second half of your workout where you're not going quite so heavy or not going for max weight or anything like that. Um, but you're doing higher volume, higher repetition. So maybe in more of the eight to 12 to even 15 rep range. Yeah. Yeah. And any of our Instagram posts, if we have something that's like targeting a specific muscle group, um, and we have a bunch of different variations. This is g- going to be our general advice for all of them. Don't just do all of them, but just pick one or two and really focus on them for a period of time and then move on um, after about four to six weeks or so once you've kind of tapped out that adaptation process with that specific exercise set. Yeah, exactly. So this one post could actually give you like three months worth of options for yeah, programming, which totally. is kind of cool. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, I think that's about it for for that one. Um, so, yeah, go and go check out that post if you haven't seen it. It was uh, it got a lot of good feedback. So. I, I like uh, Lila's um, text turned to uh, it auto corrected from glute centric to flute centric, which we got a little <laughs> bit of kick out of. But we know, like, yeah, the iPhone still doesn't recognize glute. I think it finally started recognizing it for me because I probably use it so much. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't auto correct away from it anymore. <laughs> but I used to get so frustrated because it was flute. Like, it would change glute to flute, and yeah. it would change deadlift to deadliest. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, two of the words I typed the most often, and the I was like, The deadliest Stop. flute exercise ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, we knew we knew what you meant, Lila. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So, question number two. This one comes from My Home Gym Life. And she said, Hi there, I have a quick, quick question about the hip positioning when squatting. And she was actually commenting on our uh, most recent YouTube video, which was about goblet squats. Oh, yeah. Um, she said, I've always been told to bring my hips back as suggested, but I've also been told to engage my core while also doing that. I have a bit of a more pronounced arch toward my tailbone, which causes my hips to naturally be set back. Am I getting my hips back too far? Am I not supposed to engage my core as much as I think I'm supposed to? I hope this makes sense. Thanks for your time. Yes, this makes a lot of sense. sense. Um, And really like both cues you've been told are, you know, relatively accurate. It just depends on the person which cue works for them more, right? Um, so what I would say is more than likely she's sitting back so far that it's actually encouraging more of a pronounced arch. And she's already starting with the pronounced arch. So it's just exacerbating the situation. So for her, I'd probably have her allow her knees to come slightly forward and have her torso be a little bit more upright. Would you agree? With yeah, that? yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the Definitely what I would say we wouldn't recommend is not bracing your core as much in order to um, make some changes to what you think it should look like. So your core definitely needs to play a big role in the squat. Um, And the reason that we want to see that is because as you're going down into the 
the squat, your core, the muscles all around, like not just your ab muscles as we know them, like the six pack ab muscles, but your whole core that surrounds your entire torso. It's all playing a part in keeping your spine in a neutral, good position um, and in a safe position. And you don't want to try to relax that at all because the more you relax that, the more your spine takes the load of the weight as opposed to your muscles, your musculature. Yeah. Um, So definitely don't try to use your core less. Right. Um, In terms of um, something that you just want to look at for yourself is where your weight is distributed. And if your weight is distributed somewhere along like your midfoot, to midfoot heel area, then you know you're in a pretty good position that you, that leads to better um, leverage for you to then actually push into the floor and stand up tall. You don't want to be so far back where your toes are picking up, nor do you want to be weight shifted forward where your heels want to pick up as well. So somewhere in that in between, and really your hip position is going to be more dependent on comfort level and just how you just like to operate and squat. Yeah. Um, um, I, I want to throw one more thing in there. Yeah. So the... Um, a really good like explanation that we got, I think, from Strong First um, along along the way is to think about your um, your rib cage and your pelvis, and think about them as like a cylinder. Basically, the rib cage is the top of the cylinder, and your pelvis is the bottom of the cylinder. And when you start the squat, you want to start with your rib cage stacked right over your pelvis, yep. so everything's nice and stacked and straight. Now, as you descend into the squat, you want to maintain that cylinder, so keep it connected, keep it in that same positioning where the rib cage is over the pelvis, but you're going to sit your hips back, meaning that your upper body is going to have to tip forward a little bit to counter that. Um, And that's how you can maintain a good brace throughout your core by keeping that positioning. And you just basically have to modify what your upper part of your torso is doing to compensate for what the lower part of your torso is doing. So if you're sitting your hips really far back, you have to allow your chest to actually come further forward to keep everything in alignment. If you're staying more upright, you have to keep your your hips a little bit more underneath you as opposed to sending them back. Exactly. And both variations, your weight is still going to be distributed along that midfoot to heel sort of region. Right. So again, e- each one is, you know, going to be dependent like whichever one you use is going to be dependent on your comfort level and whatever you want to um, accomplish, but both are right um in that situation. So yeah. it's just um yeah, you sometimes you hear these cues and it's kind of like people take it as such a blanket recommendation that becomes uh, like, oh, am I doing it wrong now? And so as long as your weight is, drip, is distributed evenly, you're in pretty good shape. Um, and then going along off that point, um, Lauren mentioned the cylinder. We like to really keep our members aware of that cylinder, but sometimes it can be a stability issue just inherently. Mm-hmm. And so we like to pair the squat with some sort of exercise that helps to promote strength within that positioning. And that always ends up being some sort of um, exercise where the person's on their back and doing a marching or dead bug, um, that sort of exercise where it helps to ingrain it and just helps strengthen that position even further. And it really helps to go back and forth between those two because you can be like, oh, I can automatically apply the dead bug and the marching exercise to my squat pattern and both really help to facilitate the other. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. All right. Let's move on to the last one. So the last one is actually just a collection of a million different people asking us um, (laughs) what kind of shoes we wear or commenting on, like, I get a lot of comments when I'm wearing uh, a certain style of shoe that looks more like a sock. People being like, are you wearing socks (laughs) Um, or what are those? Or, and then um, when we're wearing shoes in different Instagram videos, everybody wants to know what they are and what purpose they serve. And we actually have, you'll notice us wearing a 
different footwear for different exercises and for different purposes. So we're going to walk you through some of our favorites and why we choose them when we do choose them. Yeah. You want to go, let's go from minimal to least minimal. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. So why don't you start off with pedestals? So yeah. So the, the socks that I sometimes wear, that both of us sometimes wear in our uh, videos. Socks. Um, <laughs> because people get incredulous sometimes. Yeah. They're like, are those socks? Are you with socks? It's how it's safe. <laughs> um, but they're called pedestal footwear. They are they are a sock, like you slip them on like a sock, um, but they have grips on the bottom so that they're, they're like, you don't slide. Um, they also have, uh, they're made of material that makes them like really sweat resistant, so you can wear them actually multiple times before having to wash them, which makes them a little bit more uh, realistic in terms of a gym shoe. Um, And so what we love about these is that your whole foot gets to contribute to the lift when you're doing a specific lift with them. So you can actually feel the whole, the ground with your foot. You don't have any barrier between your foot and the floor. Um, And this really helps with stability specifically. So exercises like uh, deadlifts or a single leg deadlift, um, we really, really enjoy yeah, there using are, these. Kettlebell swings. Yeah, all, all that sort of stuff where we can really root ourselves into the ground and really maximize our drive into the ground. If we were wearing like a big um, running motion control shoe that like helped us to not overpronate but was, was really cushy, like we wouldn't be able to as efficiently push into the ground, nor could we really feel the ground and really root ourselves into the ground during, let's say, a deadlift motion and stuff like that. So... Um, for any sort of exercise, like a deadlift, a lunge, stability-based exercise, we love using the pedestal footwear. Yeah, and we'll sometimes um, have people, like if we see somebody doing a kettlebell swing, for instance, and they're kind of like, they just look off balance at the top. Like they, the kettlebell's either like pulling them forward onto their toes, they just look a little bit off. Oftentimes we'll just tell them, hey, take your shoes off and just try them in your socks. And just doing that alone helps them to actually get more rooted into the ground, make they feel more stable, and at the top they look a lot stronger. So this is just a way to, it's just a, it's basically a better version of lifting in your socks. Yeah. Um, they're stronger, they're more durable, they last longer, um, they look cool. I yep. really like how they look. <laughs> um, they're super comfortable. So um, yeah, we, we highly recommend them for lifting in like a stationary manner. Yeah. Um, and that leads us into the reason why we don't do all of our exercises with it is because it's not optimal for, let's say, jumping or sled pushing or like lateral agility types of movements, um, other things that we kind of um, do at the gym. Um, also, from a coaching standpoint, like, you know, sometimes sometimes I'll put on my pedestals, but like for longer durations, like I just think it looks better to have actual shoes on rather than just, you know, these um these nice socks, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, which case, I will actually put on my Vivo Barefoots. Um, and I don't think you have a pair, right? I don't, but I yeah. actually really want one. <laughs> they're um, they're really good. They're probably the most minimal shoe that I've ever worn. It's like it's basically like a just a thin piece of like sole, and that's really about it. Um, and I I I think I would use it if I didn't have my pedestals. I would probably use this shoe in terms of doing my deadlifting and my lunging and my single leg deadlifts, um, those sorts of stability-based exercises. So if you're not really into the idea of the sock thing, um, go for a Vivo Barefoot. Um, I think I wear the Primus Light. Um, but again, the drawback with the uh, Vivo Barefoot is that they're so minimal that, again, like high repetition jumping or jump roping, sled pushing lateral movements, like 
it's going to wear it down pretty quickly. So um, I would be just cautious of doing stuff like that because like I like I've known people with minimal shoes doing like an agility ladder and they just tear completely <laughs> just tear on it, the yeah. lateral aspect of the foot. And it's just like, oh, well, there goes, you know, 100 bucks or whatever I spent on it. So. Um, you know, use, use it for that specific reason. Yeah. They're worth the price for being a really great lifting shoe, but there's definitely a difference between a great lifting shoe and a great like agility and like met content. Yeah. Um, um, moving on to the next tier, uh, both of us really enjoy a company called strike movement. Um, it's a very, it's a minimal shoe, but it just has a little bit more support to it. So it can withstand a lot of, um, uh, the jumping exercises I talked about, sled pushing, uh, medicine ball throwing, a lot of the more dynamic stuff, we can really just put it to good use and it have it be totally fine. And I think um, their tagline is United by Motion. They like to work with like parkour people, gymnastics people, CrossFit people. They want the shoe to be very just all around and very versatile. Um, and we really like it a lot, actually. Yeah. And um, we, we also like them just for daily, like, living. Like, yeah. that's what we wear for the most part while we're coaching because they're just super comfortable. They we, Our feet stay, like, they don't feel tired or anything yeah. in those shoes. Whereas sometimes if I'm in, like, a really minimal shoe and on my feet for multiple hours, my feet just start to get really tired. Same here. Like, after a couple of hours in, uh, in my Vivos, I'm like, my feet are just getting pretty worn out so yeah. but the strike movements that never happens yeah and they also just look good i really like the aesthetic they behind nice them look, yeah and so we can easily go from coaching for a few hours to you know hitting the clubs no <laughs> oh just... <laughs> my gosh babe. i don't know the last time we've hit a club <laughs> no, but i mean just just like for street casual wear it's like yeah, yeah we, we, we make it we can make it uh work pretty seamlessly so i, I really like that aspect of uh, the strike movements yeah. and those are the ones that we consistently get the most comments on because they do have a very like a flashy look to them. Yeah. I've also, so neither of us are big runners, um, but I have run many 5Ks in my strike movements and they've been yeah. great. But running is just a whole different ballgame in terms of what your comfort level is, also what your gait pattern looks like, and also totally. kind of like what your maybe injury history is. So I, I don't, we don't feel super comfortable recommending a running shoe for everyone. We think that that's much more individual um, and you should go get looked at by like have somebody actually look at your gait pattern. There's a yeah. lot of stores like in Boston, we have Marathon Sports and they'll like actually watch you run and recommend a shoe for you yeah i mean there was a time where the um the vibrams those little like finger shoes got pretty popular and people went right from from their um like big motion control shoe down to a vibram because it's supposed to naturally correct your gait but they did it so quickly that people started getting like achilles stress tears fractures, and stress fractures yeah. yeah bone spurs like a lot of not great stuff where it was happening so if you're looking to get more minimal and you're a runner, definitely just go with a very gradual progression in terms of like cushion and heel drop. Don't just go right to like, I mean, some people were, were actually running barefoot. Yeah, we saw some marathoners run barefoot yeah. in Boston. I'm like, what are you like? This is crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. You don't know what to get <laughs> on that street. Um, but it it is like there's benefit to it if you work up to it very totally. Yeah. So it's not like it's a it's a bad thing. It's just not something to jump right to from a high stability yeah. shoe. So, <laughs> and maybe if you're barefoot, just like watch the road very carefully. Yeah, and very you might carefully. Step on. <laughs> um, uh, and then the highest stability shoe we would lift in would be our Olympic lifting shoes. Yeah. Um, so you can talk about those. A little yeah. Bit. Olympic lifting shoes. Um, I mean, Laura and I both Olympic lift um, and they're great in terms of, it just gives you a lot of stability when you're doing a dynamic exercise, like a clean or a split jerk. We need that shoe to be very firm and have no give at all 
in order for us to receive the weights with um, with the maximum amount of efficiency. And then not only that, it has a built-in heel lift of, of about, I think, three quarters of an inch. And Laura and I both have enough ankle mobility to get down into a deep squat position. But when you're doing something as technically precise as an Olympic lift, having that heel lift gives us just a little bit of a buffer to make sure that if we catch it slightly forward or slightly back, we can correct for it. Whereas if we we're totally relying on pure ankle mobility, we would just totally lose that lift altogether. So the um, the Olympic lifting shoe helps us out in that regard. And initially people are going to be like, hey, that's cheating. Like that's not appropriate. <laughs> but like if you ever think about it, like people don't call cleats on a football or soccer field cheating. Like it's just you use that shoe for that specific um, sport because it helps you out in that sport. And if everyone's using that same shoe, then it's not cheating. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's not a shoe that we recommend for anything outside of Olympic lifting. And for some people squatting, if they do lack ankle mobility, it's basically the same thing as elevating your heels on plates, which we yep. do recommend for people. Um, so it, I mean, if you lack ankle mobility and you're working on it, but right now you still want to squat and you still want to do it well, like there's nothing wrong with squatting with a little bit of a heel lift. Totally. Yeah. Um, so we would, we would say do that if you know that you have a limitation there. Um, but also keep working on that ankle mobility so yeah. that you can, that you can eventually be able to squat without it. Um, but really like don't use them for things like lunges. Don't use them for any other, like just accessory lifts or, or any cardio or anything like that. Yeah. It just tips your center mass totally off balance. Like it's just, it just, yeah, it just doesn't put you in good situations unless you're really specifically doing Olympic lifting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the breakdown. That's our gamut of shoes. Yeah. And luckily, we own the place, so we have them all handy all <laughs> yeah. at once. So unless you've got a giant gym bag, just you want to prepare beforehand. Be like, okay, I'm going to do my squats and my pedestals, and then I'll do the rest of my movements in my strike movements. So yeah. um, just kind of like plan that out so you don't have... 15 pairs of shoes <laughs> <laughs> that's the benefit of the pedestals too is they're they just wrap up like a sock that's true so. actually those are the only ones that i use when we travel because yes. it's so so convenient so yeah. um but yeah every shoe has its pros and cons um but hopefully we laid out some of the reasons why we like each one for each specific purpose cool cool so those are all of our answers to your burning questions for tonight thank you oh, i said tonight because we're filming on a tuesday night <laughs> oh i gave the secret Spoiler. away Spoiler <laughs> for today um thank you so much for sending your questions in and if you have more questions please dm us at achieve fitness boston on instagram that's where we get the most questions um and we really appreciate those if you wouldn't mind going on to itunes and leaving us a review of our podcast we'd be super super appreciative of that and until next time peace love and, and muscles, muscles.